Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Hello, hello. Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified. Emma here. I'm Mathani. Yes. And we have the lovely Katie on. Hello, Katie. Hello. So excited to have you on with us. Um, For everyone listening today, we're going to be talking about going from resisting adoption to embracing and never doubting the choice of adoption, the 18-year mark of adoption, and celebrating your birth child. So with that, Mathani, you want to introduce Katie and give some background? So Katie is a birth mother of 18 years. She is a military wife and a mom of two. She loves hiking. She's a business owner. She refinishes furniture, which is really cool. And she's currently working on her bachelor's in Homeland Security. Katie, we're super excited to have you today. Um, Go ahead and just jump in and tell us your story. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm a birth mom for 18 years. Like you said, I got pregnant at 16. I was a ninth grader in high school. The way it happened to go down, I'd been with a birth father for about seven, seven and a half months. And I was pretty sure I was pregnant, but I needed that little bit of reassurance before we told anyone and panicked. (laughs) So the birth father picked me up from my lunch break in high school, which is so crazy to think about and took me to a local um, pregnancy center that gave free tests. And so I went in and took the pregnancy test. They came in with a ton of pamphlets and just totally overwhelmed me. (laughs) And I still have all of them today. Wow. And yeah, it was positive. (laughs) So that was super (laughs) overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. So I went out and told my boyfriend and he gave me a hug and told me everything would be fine and that we would get through it together. I remember he drove me back to high school so I could finish out the rest of my day in school. And one of the things I remember in the pamphlets was they really reiterated that the sooner you tell your family, the better. I took that a little bit way too seriously and I didn't (laughs) even process the fact that I was pregnant. And I ended up telling my mom the very next day. And she did not handle it very well. Like I would imagine most moms of a 16-year-old probably wouldn't. I know (laughs) I probably wouldn't handle it very well. (laughs) So she kicked me out of the house. Thankfully for me, it did not last long. And she let me back in later that night. So the first week after finding out I was pregnant, we were kind of in what I call the love bubble. My boyfriend and I, the birth father. He was super excited that I was pregnant and was telling all of our friends that I was pregnant and we were already picking out a name for what we wanted to name the baby, which is so crazy to look back on now that I'm 18 years out. So the name that we chose was only like four weeks along, which is so Mm -hmm. crazy, was the name Mark. Um, And the reason why I'm sharing that name today is because that was the name that we chose for our baby at that time. And that is not a name that the adoptive family um, carried on. So it Mm -hmm. in no way is associated with him today with his adoptive family, but it's something that I still call him today. It's just very personal for me. It's when I'm talking to friends and family, I will often refer to him as Mark, but it doesn't um, carry any weight with who he is today as far as his name goes. Yeah. 
after about a week of finding out that I was pregnant, um, the birth father broke up with me and said that he had only been using me for sex. And that was a really hard and devastating blow to not only be pregnant at 16, which is scary enough, but then like the person that helped get you into this situation has just chucked the deuces and walked away. Um, So it was a lot happening at 16. It was very scary. Well, and that's Um, a a complete 180 with the birth father to go from, I mean, I'm glad he responded well when you first told him, not that I wish he didn't. Like that, I mean, it sounds like he responded right. very nicely, but I could see in some ways it being like, wait, what? Like whiplash of like, you're so excited to start yeah. a family and you're telling, you know, our friends and you're so happy to never mind. Bye. So was that the last time that you spoke to the birth father? Yeah. So that wasn't the last time that we necessarily spoke, but he wasn't involved in the pregnancy or in the adoption process at all like he didn't help okay you had just told your mom right around the time that you and your boyfriend broke up uh you have obviously a lot going on at the age of 16 so at what point where are you at with within the first month what was your plan yeah so it was definitely emotional whiplash from the get-go um abortion wasn't an option for me and I had always planned on keeping him from the get-go mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about adoption I honestly thought adoption was like the old school scary nightmare movies that you hear about yeah. where they take the babies, you deliver it and you never see them. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. just terrified me. So adoption was never an option for me. And also I just had the really um, jaded view of he's mine. So why would I give away what's mine and mm. I'll raise him because he's mine. And that's what you do. You don't give away what's yours and you mm-hmm. raise him. So from the get-go, I was always planned on keeping him, and that was non-negotiable in my mind. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. I had a mom who was smarter than I was. (laughs) Um, That's what moms are for. Mm -hmm. Um, And she knew about the adoption agency that was located in Texas um, because she grew up in Texas. There was, um, they had a live-in dorm that you could go to there. Um, and since I was under the age of 18, she could legally send me to live there without my consent. Um, and I think she really knew deep down that that would be the best for me if I could separate from my friends and my influences and really go be surrounded by the adoption agency and get that support that I needed. So she did send me to live at the adoption agency's dorm. Um, and just a couple months after I found out I was pregnant, she flew me out to Texas. We lived in Colorado. So I had to leave my friends, my family, everything I knew at the age of 16 on top of being pregnant, being broken mm. up with. Everything I knew in life was crumbling from my point of view at this point. And moving to a dorm full of other pregnant women who are hormonal and going through their <laughs> own struggles. It was so mm. scary. <laughs> I ended up meeting some of the most beautiful women there and making such great friendships. So I really appreciate that time of life. But at the moment, it was super scary. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you felt like you were being sent against your will because you were so set on wanting to parent. So I can imagine you felt very not okay yeah. with yeah. being sent away. Well, and, yeah. and two, already when you're a 16-year-old, 
teenage girl, anything your mother says is like a slap in the face. Most of the time that dynamic isn't always smooth and pretty. And so I, I, I could see also that adds a whole other layer of resistance, but especially yeah. if you did feel pretty strongly that no, you wanted to parent. So you went to this dorm Absolutely. and still, yes. even once you got there, felt confident that you wanted to raise your son? Absolutely. I was so angry and upset and also just terrified having been moved into this dorm of pregnant yeah. women um, <laughs> that I didn't know anyone. I honestly didn't leave my room for several weeks. I was just mm. terrified. I lived off mm. of the mats that my mom sent with me <laughs> and I didn't. Oh my leave. gosh. I was just terrified. I was depressed and devastated yeah. and scared and just so many different things. So eventually I started coming out of my room a little bit and I realized that nobody at the dorm bit. <laughs> Everybody was so <really laughs> nice. Started forming some friendships and talking about their, you know, own journeys and how we all ended up here. Um, but yeah, from the get-go, even getting at the adoption agency, I was very forthcoming, even with my caseworker, kind of in an up yours attitude that this is my baby and you can't have him and I'm going to keep him. And even though my mom can force me to be here, you guys can't make me give him for adoption when I deliver. So like, this is mine. Mm. <laughs> and I, was, I was very angry when I got to the adoption agency. Mm -hmm. So I agreed to go through the motions at the adoption agency, but I was dead set on keeping my baby. I had no plan, <laughs> no <laughs> job, no money. <laughs> You know, I was very naive and young and just uneducated in in the realm of adoption and what it, it could be. So the way it works at the adoption agency is every potential adoptive parent makes their own parent profile book. And it's super creative. Everybody tailors it to what they like and they decorate it and it they had pictures and little snippets about themselves. And then they, the adoption agency also asked you what you would look for in potential adoptive parents. Um, so I told them some of the things that I wanted was I wanted my son to be the first child. That was super important to me. I wanted a stay-at-home mom. I wanted them to be very financially stable. I wanted them to like being outdoors. I went through probably 20 parent profiles. found one that I ended up really liking that really just stood out to me for some reason. So my caseworker and I went to go meet with them and we met at a restaurant and we ended up sitting there and talking for several hours. And I came out of that meeting at that restaurant just totally shocked and blown away. And I truly felt like I had just met my son's parents. Mm. There was no ifs, ands, or buts, no questions. It was just, it's something I can't even explain. I just knew it deep down. Yeah, I never questioned adoption um, and that choice of adoption after that day. It just wow. felt peaceful and right, uh, yeah. which was a total transformation <laughs> where I was. Yeah. So what was y'all's relationship like leading up to giving birth? Did y'all continue communication? We did. So they lived in Houston and I lived in the Fort Worth, Dallas area where the agency was. And so they did come up and visit several times and they would come up and take me out to movies and go out to eat and go shopping and look for baby things. 
Um, and then his adoptive mom would send me letters every single week. It's kind of like a countdown to delivery, which was really sweet. He sent me flowers a couple of times and we communicated on the phone. Um, they sent me a couple of postcards from some vacations they took. Um, it was just very meaningful communication, which I really appreciated. I saved a bunch of things from that time that were meaningful, like my ticket stub to the movie that we went to. <laughs> just really cheesy. What yeah. movie did y'all go watch? Oh, it was an Adam Sandler movie. Roxy, now you're dusting off the cobweb. <laughs> <laughs> And I would have to go pull up the actual <laughs> movie. Yeah. That was an Adam Sandler movie. That is some serious cobweb. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so, yeah, we did spend time together and hung out. Um, we talked about what our um, post-adoption plan would be and what delivery would look like. So our plan for delivery was as soon as I went into labor, I would give them a call and they would jump in the car in panic mode, I'm sure. <laughs> that drive to Houston or from Houston to Fort Worth. And so that's what happened. I went into labor on August 3rd, really late, called my mom, freaking out, <laughs> not having experienced labor before. Yeah. And you have to remember that I was, uh, I turned 17 while I was pregnant. And so I'm doing all of this without the support of my family, like physical support. My family was very supportive, but without the physical support of yeah. just being able to be like, mom, come, come over. I'm in labor. Yeah. Right. Once a mom there. So I'd call my mom on the phone and woke her up and freaking out and having no idea what labor was or what to expect. And the, the adoption agency was so great in and helping um, with all of that. And so I called the adoptive parents and they drove right up. I don't have a whole lot of memories from the hospital stay, but I do know that his parents came right in to see him as soon as they got to the hospital. Um, I had no issues with them coming right away and seeing him. I think part of that was because part of my plan was to keep him for a week after I delivered, um, which I think is kind of an unusual aspect mm -hmm. that some people haven't heard of in adoption plans. And the way that works with the adoption agency is they have transitional care families. Because mm -hmm. since I was living at the dorm, you can't keep the baby at the dorm, obviously. That would be really hard for the other right. birth moms that are mm -hmm. living there. So once you go home from the hospital, a transitional care family takes the baby home. And then you go to a special room that is outside of the dorm. Um, in a different part of the adoption agency's wing and they bring the baby to you first thing in the morning and then I have him all day long until later much later in the evening so he's with me all day and then the transitional care family takes him just during the evening hours so that had always been my plan with the um, adoptive family um, his adoptive parents so they stayed in a hotel during that week and one of the things with his adoptive family is they had been trying for several, several years, I think roughly 12, to be having kids. And they had been chosen twice before by adoptive, uh, or not adoptive moms, by birth moms. Expected moms. Yes, and by other birth moms. And they had changed their minds last minute after they had delivered, which is totally understandable, but obviously very hard on his adoptive parents. So they were very guarded and I think scared of that same thing potentially happening to them again. Yeah, so which makes sense. My, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine 
what they must have been going through as adoptive parents that had to yeah. be extremely hard. So my way of reassuring them throughout that week was the soonest you can sign away your rights in the state of Texas is 48 hours. So at the 48 hour mark, my plan was to sign away my rights, even though I was keeping him for a week, just so that they would have that comfort and knowing that he was truly already theirs and that this week for me was just memories. Because I felt truly at peace with my decision, it just gave me the security to just make memories that week and not be stressed out about the decision that I had made or placement day that was coming up. I just felt totally at peace with my decision. And I'm super thankful for that piece throughout that week. Um, yeah. Do you have memories from that week? I know you said you don't remember much from the hospital, but do you remember the rest of that week? I do. So I took so much video on VHS for all of us old people. <laughs> <laughs> all of my recordings are on VHS. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And I have 9,000 photos. And I just sat in that room and just talk to each other all day and tell them and my mom flew in and my dad flew in and I just had so much fun just like being like look at what I made mm -hmm. <laughs> and look at how cute he is and um mm -hmm. it was just awesome and his parents came and visited um it was just a really really special time and I really appreciated having that week with him it was the time that I specifically needed for my heart to heal or what was about to happen and it was just truly truly special for me mm -hmm. so placement day took place and as I mentioned before the birth father was not involved um, at all he didn't help pick out the adoptive parents he never spoke to them he just wasn't involved in any of those things the placement day came and one of the things that I really stressed with the birth father is that you will be there for placement day <laughs> or I will mm -hmm baby and take you for everything you are worth <laughs> and I, wow <laughs> I laid it down <laughs> and thankfully he did not call my bluff because I was totally bluffing <laughs> and thankfully because my point in saying that was that you have missed all of this you have really just dipped out and missed all of this hard decisions and hard stuff and you are going to be here to watch me give away my firstborn because this is hard and you are going to see me do this and you're going to watch it. And I think my parents really had a hand in being pretty intense with his parents as well and saying that he needed to be there to watch this as well. I think they had a huge hand in that as well. And I'm super thankful for that. So the birth father flew in the day of placement. Um, he didn't come any sooner. Um, my mom was there, my dad was there, obviously his adoptive parents, my caseworker and their caseworker were also there. So we had a decent sized group for placement day. Placement day was so much fun. We just hung out. Everybody told stories. I think my parents told stories when I was younger. I think the birth father's dad told stories when he was younger. Everybody just asked questions and uh, held my son and just had so much fun. It was just very relaxed. Uh, we just hung out in a big room together. So the birth father's parents came as well? Just his father came. His okay. mother did not come. Okay. So his father came to accompany him so he wouldn't. Okay. Himself. I'm kind of glad that you were stern with him for your son's sake. 
and the adoptive parents' sake that they got the opportunity to meet your son's birth father. Because I think that's something that a lot of adoptive parents never have the opportunity to do. And so the facts that there might be recordings or pictures or at least some, you know, stories that they can tell your son, I think is so special because so many adoptees don't get that. Yeah, the pictures especially, I think, are are super important because I think one of the biggest things is uh, adoptive kids always wonder where they came from or what they look, do I, who do I look like, you know, so I think him having photos of both of us, I think is helpful, but I think, yeah, that's also a really great point. So yeah, placement day was super relaxed. I didn't, I honestly didn't feel any sadness during that week. I just felt happiness, and I think that's because of how at peace I felt with my decision and I'm thankful for that so towards the end of placement we had been there for several hours and I'm pretty good at picking up on social cues and I just knew that it we had dragged it on for long enough and it was time Mm -hmm. to go if it were me I'd be like itching (laughs) to hold my baby (laughs) you know and wanting to go home and so I told everyone I said we've been here long enough and so I said, why doesn't everybody take a turn and hold them one last time? So they did. Everybody got to hold them one last time. We passed them around. My parents, his dad, the adopted, our, um, the birth father's dad, everybody got to hold them one last time. And then they passed it back to me. And I still had not cried up until this point. And then my caseworker, who I love, she's amazing. <laughs> she, I still remember to this day. She said, sometimes it can be, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here goes waterworks. <laughs> Mm. Um, he said, sometimes it can be hard to let go. And I just remember holding him and trying to remember the way that he smelled so that I wouldn't forget. And I stood up and I walked over to his mother and I gave her her son. And when I turned around, his dad was standing there. His adoptive father was standing there. And he gave me one of the best hugs I've ever had. And he just held me and let me cry. And then I walked out. And I gave a piece of my heart to somebody else that day. So that was placement day for me. They gave me a really beautiful note at placement day, which I waited to open, um, as well as a gift, which was this necklace, which I still wear, which is his birthstone. So when I walked out, I went back to the room that I'd kept him in for a week and I asked for some privacy so I could open my gift. And it was just a really beautiful note saying that they could never thank me enough for the gift that I had given them. And then the, the necklace with his birthstone. And I'll never forget walking out of that room and all of my family members standing there telling me how proud they were. And we went home that night. It was a hard but peaceful night. So after, look, now I'm crying too. <laughs> so after that point, what was the relationship like between you and the adoptive parents? What was that post-placement agreement 
So the um, post agreement was that they would send letters and pictures. I think for the first year, it was like pictures at the one month mark, three month mark, six month mark, nine month mark. But then after that, it was once a year um, for the next 18 years. Summer became my favorite time of year because I always get um, that letter with pictures uh, after his birthday, which is in August. So summers have become my favorite time of the year because I know I'm going to get a letter and an update. I stop the mailman <laughs> <laughs> and it's my favorite, favorite time of the year and something I really, really look forward to. Um, and as we said earlier, now I'm 18 years post-adoption. Not quite sure how that happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but here we are, 18 years. It sneaks up on you. So, Have you seen him? Good question. So I did get to see him once when he was six months old because the way that it works with this specific adoption agency is at six months, that's when it's the adoption is like finalized mm -hmm. for the final time. Um, and so we met back at the adoption agency and I did get to see him for just a couple of hours. With his okay. The post placement agreement, was that something y'all came up with together or did you just kind of let them decide? Like, were you okay with the level of, you know, contact? Yeah. So I think that was just pretty much the basic semi-open adoption agreement. Is, mm -hmm. is the one month or is the one year um, update in letters? I think it's really tough not being able to see him, mm -hmm. and that's super yeah. super hard. But at the same time, I really respect it because just for my personal opinion, I feel like it, it's really important to just respect their boundaries of the fact that they are his parents now, and that's his mother. And I'm, I'm not his mom anymore um, in the mm. sense of I'm yeah. I'll always his mother, but I want to be very respectful of the fact that she is his mother. That's a tough one. Mm -hmm. would, I, would I want to see him? Yes, but I'm always very cautious about what would that do and what would that be like if we saw each other. I, so I think for us, it worked out the way that it did for our post-adoption agreement. Well, if I may, I, I would love to compliment you on something because before, you know, this episode, we were speaking a little bit and you shared with us how, you know, you still refer to him as the name you had given him, that you say you have three children when people ask you how many children you have that you have this beautiful balance of not denying the reality nor ignoring what is important to you and balancing the respect you have also for the other part of the reality that he does have other parents, right? And that, you know, it's a different role. And so I think you saying, you know, you try to respect the boundaries and all those things isn't discrediting because you still say you have three children. I mean, a lot of birth parents, you know, understandably as well, wouldn't say that. And so I think you have a beautiful balance of, of those things. And um, I would love for you to share what you do on his birthdays. Yeah. So every year on his birthday, I get a birthday cake and it always 
says happy birthday. Sometimes it says happy birthday, Mark, which is what we named him. And then sometimes it says his actual name that his adoptive parents gave him. It just depends on what I'm feeling that year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially as he gets older, because sometimes I do send those pictures that I take to him and his family. And so obviously if I send that picture, I don't want it to be disrespectful and say, happy birthday, Mark. Yeah. So if I if I know that I'm going to send that picture that year, then I will put his actual name on the birthday cake. But yeah, getting his birthday cake is one of the biggest ways that I celebrate him every year. And that's always been a family event. And his birthday, August 4th, is always a very special holiday, just like any of my kiddos. Mm-hmm. So the communication you had with the adoptive parents that was filtered through the agency, did you ever address letters to him or was it just to the adoptive parents? Yeah, so when he was first born, I wrote a letter to just him explaining why I chose adoption, and that was for just him. And then after that, I always wrote to his family collectively. So he did end up having a little sister that they adopted as well. And so once he had his little sister, I would always adopt his mom, dad, himself, and his little sister Mm. just as a family collectively um, because I never wanted to um, not include his sister as well. I always wanted to make her part of my communication as well. So I would always include the entire family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of family, your family, you have two teenagers and your husband. What has that dynamic been like with them regarding your adoption? It's been really great. So I actually didn't tell my kids until several years ago, which is kind of interesting that they were so old um, that I waited to tell them. And the reason being is I wanted them to be significantly older so that they could truly understand what adoption meant and that it wasn't just this word adoption that they just threw around but yet couldn't comprehend and understand what it truly meant. It was kind of funny because we always have the birthday cake and I have pictures of my son all over my house just like I do with my other two kiddos and they just never even questioned it probably because it was birthday cake. (laughs) Yeah, they were focused on getting a slice. They couldn't, they mm-hmm. didn't take the time to read. Nope, I, I understand. If you invite <laughs> me to birthday cake, I'm all there too. <laughs> so, so then finally, yeah. a few years ago, you told them, and what was their response? They were just like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they just really just had this like, all right, we totally accept this. And Cool. Um, I think my daughter, who is the oldest, she had the biggest response and she wanted to know if she could contact him. That was mm. her biggest question. She wanted to know, can I write him a letter? Can I contact him? And that's been the biggest, hardest thing is being like, you can't, yeah. can't contact him. You can't write him a letter. And then the same thing with just him turning 18 this year. She's like, okay, well, he can contact us now. We can contact him. And having to reiterate and explain that we, that we still can't, that it's, that it's his choice. Did she ever like write him a letter that you included with um, anything that you sent? Good question. She did not. So okay. I was a little bit protective of that. Okay. I didn't know how his adoptive family would react. Um, okay. Wanting to protect my daughter, her heart a little bit as well. Just not wanting her to feel rejected if she didn't get a mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. I wanted to protect all sides. I wouldn't have thought about protecting her heart. Like I, my immediate yeah. thought, because you've been so considerate and, you know, you've voiced your desire to respect their boundaries, very insightful and smart to consider. You can't control how they respond. 
And, you know, they sound like amazing people. And so not that they would respond negatively, but that lack of response would be very heartbreaking for anyone, much less, you know, a 16 year old or, you know, however old she would have been. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's really interesting. Um, I think that's something that a lot of expected moms or like, or just birth parents don't think about is down the line, you know, once we have our own families, like we don't talk about whether, or we don't set expectations for that communication with the rest of the family. Does that, does that make sense? So like, yes. can, our, can our kids be part of the open adoption? Can our spouses be part right. you know, the open adoption? You know, last year um, when I got engaged, I got to bring my fiance to our visit Aww. and um, I just assumed that like, okay, they've met him. So I guess he won't come to any more visits. And then they were the ones who said, just so you know, he doesn't have to come, but he's always welcome to come. Like he's Aww. part of the family too. And that was huge. Cause it's not something I would, would have thought to bring up or, you know, so, or I wouldn't have known how to bring it up for hope. If there are any hopeful adoptive parents listening, maybe that's something that they could be aware of, you know, as they enter post-adoption agreements. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, mm-hmm. and two, even grandparents, you know, and aunts and uncles yeah. on the birth parent side, you right. know, and we, I've spoken about it before of how, you know, my parents and my sisters have relationships with the adoptive family, but they too try to respect whatever the adoptive family's wishes are. And they try not to ask mm-hmm. for things because they themselves have big families and it's a lot to keep up with a lot of people. And so adding a whole <laughs> other family, I mean, my family's large. And so, um, yeah, trying, that is true. I think it, that's another thing to consider of, especially if it, it's an open adoption or a semi-open where there's communication. Right you know, for adoptive parents to consider how much yeah. they're comfortable as well opening up and how many relationships and stuff. Mm-hmm. So something I would love for mm-hmm. you to go into, Katie, is the 18-year mark. This past August, your son turned 18. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the past 18 years leading up to it, the birthdays and updates. What was this past summer like? Yeah. So this past summer was super hard. You know, when you go into adoption and you sign your post-adoption agreement, you think, I'm going to get letters and pictures for 18 years. That is so far away. Hmm. (laughs) And I'll I'll have so long. And 18 years ran around the back of me and slapped me in the back of the head. It happened (laughs) so fast. (laughs) And before I knew it, I was so old. And here I sit and I have an 18-year-old. And it happened in the blink of an eye. And it just happens so fast that it's not something you think about when you when you sign. I, I think just with any parent, you don't think your kids are going to grow up that fast, and they do. So this past summer was really hard because he did turn 18, and that ended our formal um, post-adoption agreement. This past summer, I received my final update uh, with letters and pictures, and technically, I have to plan for the fact that I won't get any anymore, and I had to come to terms with that, and that is super super hard yeah. and really tough thing to think about um, especially when I really live and depend on those letters and pictures yeah. and that's the only the form of communication and the only way I see him 
so this past summer was really hard for me knowing that this would be my last update and I had to plan and prepare as if it were my last update. I, I gave the agency my information and they know that if he contacts them, they can give him anything that they want. I registered through the uh, Texas Adoption Registry. Um, I registered mm. through them. Wait, what's that? Um, you know, it's through Texas and it's a Texas Adoption Registry, which is through the whole entire state of Texas. So it doesn't matter if you went private, if you went through an adoption agency, and it's the entire state of Texas. I actually didn't even know about it until six months ago, which blows uh-huh. my mind. And so um, they take all of your information. You have to fill out an application and submit. I think it's like a $30 application fee. And then he can register as well. And then they connect adoptees and, and birth parents. And wow, it's, wow. Yeah. So it's like uh, another way for you to connect if, if you don't go through your agency or if you didn't have an agency another layer of protection if you are looking for your family hmm. so just as a safety precaution I registered through them not knowing I wanted to cover all of all avenues yeah. <laughs> in case he tries to find me right yeah so you want to be found yes yeah, please find me mm-hmm. Over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. so did okay. the adoptive parents like reiterate that expectation of hey this is our last update blah 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 or is it maybe implied they'll continue to at least have some communication with you yeah so I was actually the one that reached out and um, reiterated that it was the last one because when I hung out with his parents when I was pregnant they had always said that he would know he was adopted. He would know who I was. There would be pictures of me up in their home, but then it was never discussed again over the last 18 years. So because of that, I was concerned that maybe they had changed their minds and had maybe not said anything. So for 18 years, I've been wondering if he Mm -hmm. knew about me and if he'd read my letters because they never said anything. So knowing that this would be my last communication with them, this was my last opportunity to ask them these tough questions. So ahead of what would be my last update, I reached out to them and sent them a letter through the agency, which is how we communicate. And I asked them all of those super tough questions. I asked them if he knew who I was, if he had read my letters, um, if he knew he was adopted, if he knew anything about me. Um, And so my last update was, a super emotional dang it here goes the waterworks again (laughs) was a super emotional blessing and tough letter for a final update I got those questions answered he did he does know that he was adopted he does know who I am he has asked about me over the years and he has read my letters which I was super thankful for yeah Um, but there was no guarantee of where he is. And there was no guarantee of whether or not he'll want to reach out ever. One of the other things the adoption agency suggested in my final letter to them is you can create an email address that is just specifically for this reason. And it has to be non-descriptive. You can't have your last name or any identifying marks in it. And then you can give that to them and just say, I would like to communicate. These are my wishes. Um, This is what I would like. If if, this is a safe way for us to communicate without 
contacting one another. Um, and so I did give that to them. When they responded, they didn't, they kind of brushed over that. They didn't really say anything about that. I don't have any real high expectations that I'll hear from anyone. I told them that I would love to even just hear from them. Doesn't even necessarily have to be from my son specifically. Um, because I'm not just interested in my son, I'm interested in his entire family because I love his parents. So there was a little bit of rejection there with not, with them not talking about the email address at all and not saying anything in response to that. There was definitely some hurt there, but I also yeah. felt super thankful that they had addressed those big questions that I had. And then I also just tried to remind myself to be super thankful that I did get 18 years of pictures and letters to put on my wall, to put in my keepsake box, and that I had a week with him. And that adoption was what I chose. So I have to remind myself that this is my my place and my boundary. And I'm just super thankful for the fact that he has two parents that love him. And that is just part of where we're at in life. And so yeah, I'm now I'm in this totally unknown territory. <laughs> Of not knowing if he will contact me, if he won't, if he does contact me, that also concerns me as well. Because if he contacts me, what do I do? Because mm. <laughs> that scares me too, because I always, always, always want to be super respectful of his mom and not overstep my boundaries. And I never, ever, ever want to, want to feel like I'm replacing his mom because nobody could ever replace his mother, the woman who raised him. I think something that is such an important reminder, and we talk about a lot on here, is who is this all for? And it's the adoptee. And not that that gives us all answers, but to try to remember if all parties are trying to do best by the adoptee. I know something that my daughter's parents always say is we just are letting her lead the adoption journey. Like we're letting her ask questions as she's, as they come to her, which again is so shocking. We talk about this too all the time of how she's only four and it's been asked, you know, as she's curious and she asks questions and they address them when they're asked and they let her call me whatever she wants to call me. And, you know, it's just a very natural evolution. And I think as long as, you know, your son is the priority and what's best for him, I mean, selfishly for you, I kind of, I would hope that he one day reaches out because you're so phenomenal and for your children's sake, I hope that they get to meet their brother, but also, yeah. you know, you want it to be a, a productive thing for him. You know, for some people it rocks their yeah. world and not always in a positive way. Yeah. So whatever that is for him, I hope yeah. that, you know, he can realize that maybe it could be fruitful. Something else I would love for you to discuss um, that you had mentioned earlier is that twofold component. You discussed it a little bit when you talked about placement. You were so, you know, content and at peace with your decision. And then all of a sudden it was this wave of just tragedy and devastation. And so people struggle to comprehend that paradox of emotion and perspective. What is your take on it? So I think that's a great question because I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand that if you can place your child for adoption and there's this lack of connection and feeling and that must mean that you're not connected to your child and you don't care 
and it doesn't hurt you. Mm -hmm. Um, But adoption really is a selfless act. And some people confuse it with being selfish. And it is 100% selfless and not selfish. Because I think placement really, placement day really speaks to how hard it was for me. Because even though I felt peace at that decision, it didn't take away from the fact that it was so hard. And I still had to give away my firstborn. And it still hurt so bad. And Mm I, someone else got to walk away with a physical piece of my heart that day. And I think that's where a lot of people can get confused and thinking that it means that you don't care and there's no connection and there it couldn't be further from the truth mm-hmm. when it comes to adoption. There's so many feelings. Um, and just because you're at peace with your decision doesn't mean that you don't care or that it's not hard or that it doesn't hurt. I think part of it is is there aren't many moments in our lives that such contrasting emotions can coexist. They tend to be, I think, more, you know, milestone moments. And something that you just reminded me of is one of my older sisters just got married. And I come in, I I walked into my mom's bedroom and she was really emotional. And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm so happy. You know, I'm like so happy. And I did not expect to be so sad. My sister got married. Like, Hmm. we're going to see her next weekend. Like, it's not like, but it's funny that it's, you know, and I'm sure similarly, you know, when you become an empty nester or when you send off your first child to college, that, you know, obviously it's different from placing your child for adoption, but to give people that idea that two very different emotions can coexist and that that doesn't discredit the other, that you can be at peace and still care and grieve your child. Hey, did you ever do like therapy or counseling or anything like that? So I have been in counseling over the years and have definitely talked about adoption. Um, mm-hmm. I think the most healing form of therapy for me is just being so open about it and talking about it on a regular basis. Yeah. I've always been super open about it. I've had uh, the adoption agency's bumper sticker on every single one of my cars since I was 17. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I've never been shy about it. I've always been open and vocal about it. And I think that's been the most healing thing for me is just being able to talk about it with mm-hmm. other people. That's the most healing form of therapy. I think. Yeah, that's great. Well, Katie, thank you so much um, for coming on today and just sharing your heart with us and um, all our listeners. And we're just thankful for you. We think your story matters. and yeah, we're looking forward to just kind of following you and see where life takes you, where your journey keeps going. And um, we'd love to have you back on anytime that you're available. So um, thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. And for our listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. We will see y'all next week. Yeah. Bye. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.